Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Reverend Chris and Sister Leah Henderson, where we're discussing starting marriage well here on This Is Family. If you didn't catch part one, go back and grab the episode from last week before you listen here. I know that you're going to enjoy this fun and insightful conversation. So here now is part two of Starting Marriage Well on This Is Family. Let's shift our focus a little bit here and talk about some of the things maybe that um, maybe that we wished we would have known when we got married. Uh, there's always those things, those aha moments, you know, three, five, ten years into marriage that you're like, my goodness, why did we not... <laughs> who who's forgot to tell us this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what maybe was some of those things for you guys? As we said earlier, we dated for six years, and I knew Leah pretty well, but I wish that I would have realized earlier, even in the marriage, I think I kind of learned in the dating process, but it was much more easy to do because... Uh, she could just go home. But I wish that I would have known she needed her alone time mm. a little more than I... She, she just by herself. Yeah. That's good. Whether we were fighting or whether we were just in the everyday rhythm of life, her alone time need was far greater than mine. And I wish that I would have known that earlier because we had lived in separate houses. We had lived... In a certain way, separate lives. Our, our our church communal lives were together. You know, we were in the choir together and we were uh, going to youth service together. But that's such a small portion of the time. Right. And I had this grand idea that when we get married, we're going to spend every waking moment with each other. And if it was my way, I would absolutely do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so the takeaway, really, um, for someone who is listening is, you know, have those conversations and, mm -hmm. and, and those really, really nitty gritty kind of, all right. She may have told me in all honesty, she probably <laughs> did tell me. I was just so focused on like what my brain thought marriage yeah. was going to be that I didn't, I didn't hear her or maybe I heard her, but I didn't understand her. Yeah. So listen, yeah, yeah, it's a good one right there. Yeah. yeah, listen with intent to understand. This morning, Leah said, "Chris, the sheets are in the dryer." Which now, eighteen years later, I understand. Mean, take the sheets out of the dryer, put them in the basket, mm -hmm. pick up the basket, walk them upstairs, put them on the bed, and maybe even if I'm feeling a little flirtatious, put the sheets on the bed. Although I don't know how to put the sheets on the bed correctly, but I could get them to that point. All from her saying, the sheets are in the dryer. Right. I wish I would have learned yes. how to speak lady before. Mm. You're doing good. That hey, is thanks. what that means. Yeah, it Very is. good. <laughs> oh, my word. It only took me two decades. <laughs> well, okay, and leaning into that, I was going to say that you can't assume that the other one's going to know. That's the truth. That, okay, to me, this makes sense that saying, okay, the sheets are in the dryer, it makes sense to, okay, go get the sheets out of the dryer and go make the bed. You got to learn to speak a little bit more plainly, especially in those first few days, weeks, months, years, to go ahead and communicate communicate clearly and maybe even more a little, a little bit more explicitly than you think is necessary because you are learning almost a whole new language yeah. together. That's so true. Yeah, because I'm with you. Like, if I say the sheets are in the dryer, 
Well, what else does it mean? But it means, yeah, go get them. It and means <laughs> the sheets are in the dryer. <laughs> Thank you for that piece of intel that I don't know that I needed, yeah. but now I'm confused as to whether I should be doing something about those sheets <laughs> sitting in the dryer. Are they dry? Are they currently? There's there's so many, so many things ways you could that go could with be. that. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Uh, but it's so true. I mean, in the in the communication piece, really, you know, now here, mm-hmm. you know, Stacy and I've been married 20 years. You all have been married uh, just shy of that, and. Uh, you know, really so much of what we've talked about comes down to just clear communication with one another and, and setting those clear expectations where the expectation maybe that, that I had of, or Chris, you talked about how the, the expectation you had of that you were going to spend every waking moment together. Well, that wasn't the case and that wasn't Leah's expectation going into the marriage. So how can we talk about these yeah. expectations of what we think uh, life is going to look like and even in the moment when we trip and when we end up getting upset at one another, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Let's let's recognize and, and have that um, that awareness to step back from the situation and say, okay, what got us here? It wasn't that you failed to realize when she said the sheets are in the dryer that you just left them there. Mm-hmm. It was that there was a, uh, a communication breakdown. Mm-hmm. There was something that happened there in that interchange that... Uh, she brought to the table and you didn't recognize was there. We all do that in our marriages uh, from time to time. Absolutely. I think another big, and this this is on a more serious note, but I think another thing that we probably all four sitting here would say that we wished we knew before we got married is there are going to be things that each of us bring into the relationship from before we were married. And that could be any number of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then moving ahead too, there are also going to be things that we discover about one another that we didn't know. And maybe it's a surprise or whatever that is. Every marriage is going to deal with things from the previous, the past. Um, and that could be anything from something that your spouse dealt with in their childhood, some past trauma that you have no idea about, maybe they don't even recognize that it was a trauma. Or maybe it's a past relationship that they had and it is sort of, you feel it in the marriage or you discover something about it. And so I think those are all really important things to think about too is there's a, there's a serious side, you know, to marriage and there are those deep things that can come about and being patient with one another and recognizing, you know, going back to your vows and saying, okay, this is a little spot that we've got to work through and it's a little tough. It's a little painful, but we can get through this. Yeah. Because really, uh, and I loved how you said, go back to those vows Uh, And you have to do that so many times where you say, I decided and committed Mm -hmm. to this marriage, to making it work. And in this moment, when this, we're we're in this really, uh, this place of, of, of high conflict or uh, emotions are high and, and tensions are high, um, there has to be that cognitive, uh, uh, decision that says, you know what, we made these vows and we're going to work through this together. So wonderful point, wonderful point about, about that. Yeah. And you have to do that also, not just with past things, but even during the marriage, when you hurt one another, I've hurt Ben, he's hurt me, but you've got to work through those things and you, you've, you've got to put on your 
big girl skirt (laughs) (laughs) and your big boy pants and, you know, hit your knees. Oh, boom. Whatever it takes. Right there. Hit your knees. That's right there. So, and that was actually the one thing that I was going to say that I wish I knew uh, before I was married was how desperately my wife needed my prayers for her. Uh, and not only did she need to know that I was praying for her, but inevitably when I go to pray for my wife, God knocks on my heart to say, you're praying for your wife, but what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Or how can you change? Yeah. Um, and so the prayers for my wife morph into prayers for me to be a better husband for my wife. And isn't that just um, such an execution of the one flesh mentality mm-hmm. that, okay, I'm going to the, to the Lord and I'm saying, Lord, please help my wife with X, Y, or Z that I know that she's dealing with today. And in that time of, of communion with the Lord, that he spends that entire thought process around towards, Ben, here's how yeah. you can help your wife, and yeah. here's what you can do to improve in order to make her feel more confident in that. So mm-hmm. hitting your knees, like Stacy said, in prayer for your spouse, that is one thing that I had heard it, but I didn't grasp it. I didn't really implement it. It took a couple of years, in all honesty, for me to be able to say, I pray for my wife every day. And it has made a huge difference, mm-hmm. huge well, difference in I our lives. I feel like our first few years were a bit rough because we didn't pray enough. Absolutely. I was going to say, like, you go through dating and stuff. Yes, I'm praying for my spouse that I find the right person that, like, I find the person that God has for me. And then you find them and you get married and you're like, okay, I'm done. Hmm. And you don't think it's just the beginning. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, well, I, but a, I think that's a lot of people. They are like, yeah. okay, well, I found my one. Well, okay, let's let's keep that up and keep praying for them that they turn into the person and follow after God's calling, and that you can follow after your calling, and that together you can work together to do that. It's not like, a, okay, I found them, I'm done. Right, <laughs> right. I won. Yay. And don't don't you think that there's an initial hurdle that you have to overcome with praying together? It may feel a little strange at first because you've been separate and now you're together doing prayer time and that can feel a little vulnerable, let's just say. So that's a good word to describe it. Yes. And so I think we struggled with that initially just, oh, we're supposed to do this together now. Like all of the sudden Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be praying together. (laughs) One day you don't. It's a little awkward. Yeah. yeah. And especially when you're praying for deep things like protect our marriage, protect it from pornography, protect it from, you know, outside influences and things that would try to come in and destroy. Well, I can just say in the beginning, that was hard to like pray out loud together. Yeah. It took some time to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. You know, in, in, in the book, The Apostolic Family, um, uh, insights for living in the 21st century. Brother Anthony Mangan uh, makes it an amazing statement here. He says, getting married is easy. Staying married is not so simple. Uh, vocal artist R- Roberta Flack observed, quote, staying happily married for a lifetime should rank among the fine arts. A- and I just, I think that is so accurate in that, to your point, Leah, you, you come to the marriage and you You've prayed that you find the right one, and God's answered that prayer. 
Uh, and then for some reason, we feel like that we can just drop off and say, okay, mm -hmm. but check mark, uh, mission complete, and there's no other mission to accomplish. Well, that's that couldn't be farther from the truth. And and you know we all know that it takes maintenance, it takes work, it takes effort, but the reward is so worth it. Yeah. Well, and even in today's society, too many people go into marriage with a, eh, if this one doesn't work out, I'll try another one and see if that one works out better. And it's more of if you go into it with like, okay, this is it. This is this is what I chose. How am I going to make this work? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a, a lacking theology of marriage among Christians today. Uh, we've unfortunately, I, I feel, allowed for society to infiltrate our idea and thought process of marriage in the church. I read an article sometime this week, and it said that of all divorces filed, something like 90 plus percent of them are filed between January and March. Hmm. And when I read that to Lee, I'm like, what an interesting stat. She said, well, that makes sense because you've just gone through the holidays and had to deal with everyone's family and now mm. you want help. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. But that, that idea of, well, if this one doesn't work, I'll just get a new one mm -hmm. has permeated. And the church really isn't doing—I'm I'm, I'm on a podcast in a church about marriages, but by and large, the church is not doing anything to help marriage, yeah. to help young couples understand a proper theology of the sacred covenant entered into when two people stand at an altar and say, I do. Mm -hmm. You you go to marriages all the time, and it's like, oh, that was such a, a great marriage ceremony. And it, it is, but you can have a really great marriage ceremony and a terrible married life. Yeah, yeah. Barna released a survey a couple of weeks ago, and it was the, the state of marriage, kind of a Protestant look at it. 96% of all evangelical churches report spending 0%. Wow. 0% of their ministry budget on singles or healthy dating ministry. How do you how do you date? 85% of all churches surveyed. This is across denominal lines. Report spending 0%. So we've got the the 90 plus that spend nothing on dating and singles, how to get married, that theology of marriage, but then 85% of all churches report spending 0% of their ministry budget on marriage ministry, mm. on, on helping the constituents in their church, the people who attend their church, have a successful ministry. Let me ask a question. If the church is biblically, this is what we understand, the church biblically is made up of families, why are we not spending yeah. money on families. Yeah. So you can't have a strong church without strong families. True. So and true. you know what? It's modeled to us all throughout scripture, the marriage between Jesus Christ and his church. It's, it's mm -hmm. a marriage. And so how do we not get this? Yeah. Marriage, if we don't have strong marriages, we don't have strong families. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have strong families, we don't have strong churches. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. So it begs a question to me is... How do we, how do we make sure that we can recognize uh, long before it gets to be a crisis? 
you know, once a marriage is in crisis, it's it's a very difficult. It's a whole path new set of problems. To backtrack yeah. and yes. duct tape everything. It can be done, but it is a very difficult thing to to repair something that is is extremely broken. Mm-hmm. But but if we really uh, can identify those points in a marriage early on, where you could say, hey, if we don't fix this now six months, a year, 18 months from now, this is really going to put us in a bad spot. So, so, and, and to your point as a church, you know, I know here at Calvary, we are really trying, uh, with everything that we can to, to come up with ways that we can help people identify, uh, those, those points early on Mm -hmm. where we can make just a slight course correction and save us a world of hurt down the road. Yeah. And also for the newlyweds, the preventative, like mm-hmm. you haven't even gotten to that part yet. Just working on preventative measures to yeah. keep from having to deal with so much. Yeah. So not that it, you're not going to deal with anything. So but what does that look like? What, what kind of preventative measures could a young couple go through? Well, here recently, I know we've been asked to come in and begin doing a lot of premarital counseling, just one-on-one with a couple who are already engaged, have their date set, just talking through some of the most common things that are going to come up to like, okay, y'all decided you're going to get married, but here's some things that maybe we need to talk through before you get to that marriage altar and have some sort of a plan in place and maybe even seek even more additional outside guidance or direction into, okay, these are things that we might be facing that are going to cause us some stumbling in the first little while to set you up for success so that you don't hit the ground going, oh, no, nobody told us about this one. And a weekend, we're flat on our face going, hmm, okay, where do we go from here? So, like, we really want to set people up for success. And I think those premarital counseling, they don't cover everything, but they do at least give you a jumping off point. Mm -hmm. So some premarital counseling would be one preventative start point. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, another one is what we talked about earlier in the podcast, engaging the community around you and and understanding that, okay, if if dad has this to say, perhaps he's he's maybe has a little bit of wisdom. Maybe he's smarter than me. Yeah. Maybe he sees something down the road. Maybe his experience has said, oh, here's a red flag. So don't be so prideful as to say, well, that can't be right because nobody, I know yeah. them, They. Yeah. I ride with them to youth service and that can't possibly be right. Mm-hmm. So engaging that community, the, the premarital counseling, but then also, I think we, we touched on this uh, on a previous episode, have apostolic, good Christian friends. Yeah. And they're not, they're not your counselor, but they're your friends. They're someone that you can go and uh, throw axes with yeah, just or have fun. go bowling yeah. with or whatever the case is. Just go play a card game. Everybody needs friends. And yes, you and your spouse are meant to be like super close, even fiancés and stuff like that. But you need outside friendship and communion. And it's like your marriage, like you're meant to be equally yoked. The same kind of can be said about mm-hmm. your friendships. It's not bad to have outside friendships, but when all your coworkers from work are going to the bar or going here or going there, and that yeah. doesn't really set well with your spirit or your beliefs, you need to have that kind of communion with people that you can go and have 
good, clean fun with. Yeah, Christianity is not meant to be lived in isolation. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. Another big preventative is listening. You're going to learn so much more about your spouse if you just listen. Yeah. And and it's that active listening, not just the hearing, mm-hmm. not just hearing that there's sheets in the dryer. Correct. But actively listening to say, okay, I know what I know what she means when I she know what says this. this. Means. Uh, yes. yes. And not absolutely. only that that scenario, but for instance, if um, I I feel like in our marriage, if I felt like I was right about something, or when I feel like I'm right about something, I want to kind of keep talking and stressing my point. But I have learned that when I listen, we get a lot further because he needs to be able to say the way he feels. And even if I feel like I'm right, it does me no good to not sit and listen to the way he feels. And I can learn something from what he's saying. And prevent future. prevent, yes. And, And you... You just create a stronger relationship with one another, a stronger friendship Mm. when you listen to each other. How many friends are you going to make if all you ever do is talk and you never listen? Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. You know, one other thing I would uh, like to to bring up, and Stacy touched on it earlier, but um, bringing things into your marriage from your prior life together as a single person um, can, can mean a lot of things. But what about prior commitments? You know, things that that I committed to as a single young man. Mm-hmm. Um, things that even at the church that I was actively involved in. Yes. Um, and and it required a certain uh, amount of my time, a certain amount of, of my own commitment level. That's a and, great and then point. she did the same thing as as a, a single young lady. Uh, and now here we are married together, and. Are we going to carry those commitments into the marriage or are we going to say to those commitments, I have to sever that. And then now moving forward, we are going to make decisions together on where we're going to be committed. Mm -hmm. Um, We were originally in different things. We had different commitments. And when we got married, we decided to remove ourselves from pretty much all of those and that didn't mean we're not saying don't stay involved. You need to stay involved Absolutely. and you need to stay accountable. But we, you know, removed ourselves from those commitments that we had individually. And then we found ways to get involved together. together. Yeah. And, let, and one of those ways was Bible quizzing. Yeah. I was going to say. And that, then it fed our love for that. That's the beauty of doing that. And, and, and you know, we've, we've seen that actually come to fruition in such beautiful way in our life. And truthfully, at the moment, we just thought, oh, this sounds like a good idea. And, and and then now, but now looking back almost 20 years removed from that decision where we said, okay, I'm not going to be on the sound team anymore. Mm-hmm. Stacy's not going to play piano for the, for the, um, for the orchestra anymore, but we're going to get involved together in coaching Bible quizzing. And we were just really newly wed, very young in our marriage. And we decided this would be a fun thing for us to, to get involved in. Well, then that birthed in us a love for Bible quizzing that when we then had our children, we got them involved in Bible quizzing. Mm-hmm. And it has been a, a a wonderful thing for our entire family. Not only that, we were able to have some really great mentors through Bible quizzing, the Turners, mm-hmm. brother and sister, yes. Wayne and Vicki Turner. They just 
took us in as little newlyweds and, you know, had us as a part of the team. And we learned so much from them. It was a good decision. Yeah. I think that's, I think all of it is incredible advice and understanding how you function together as a team is crucial to the success of any marriage. Yeah. You know, for sure, if you go and compare the team mentality to any secular application, well, everyone's got to work together and there can't be, you know, you hear it all the time in sports. There are no, you know, big I's and little U's or whatever, however it goes. No I in team. Yeah. There's no I in team. Uh, It's the same way in, in marriage. Yeah. You know, it's, it's together. What you do, you do together. Well, let maybe uh, in some final thoughts, um, some resources, because uh, none of us have all the answers, not, not even close, right? Um, but what resources would you recommend? Uh, books maybe that have been impactful to you and to your, to your marriage or, uh, or just uh, any outside resources that you could recommend? One of the ones that I know that we definitely recommend in our premarital counseling for those that are right up, it's usually what, like the week week, week, of. Bef- week of marriage. Yeah. I'm not to, a reader, but I breeze through that one. <laughs> to read um, The Act of Marriage. <laughs> it's very practical advice. It's a very good book that gives very practical advice and mm-hmm. direction for some people aren't comfortable having the talk mm. with somebody. And even though you've had, quote unquote, the talk you know what sex is, but you don't know what yeah. sex is. And so that kind of gives you some good practical advice going into yeah. marriage. That's a good one. We did uh, equipping for preparing, preparing for, for marriage. marriage. Uh, and there was a, a mentor couple workbook that went along. And it was, it was again, launch points for discussion between the couple that was going to be married mm-hmm. that was super practical. Uh the act of marriage is one preparing for marriage is another one. Um, love and respect is a great one, but there are, there are a lot of really great podcasts out there as well that maybe you don't, maybe you're not a reader. When we were getting married, I was not a reader at all, but I would listen to something all day long. Sure. And so that, that's kind of a new phenomenon. Find some great podcasts. Dear, dear young married couple. Oh yeah. Uh, There are several others um, that are, really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sounds funny, but scripture speaks to marriage. So, yeah, so true. And there are a lot of uh, practical advices in scripture yeah. for relating to one another. Yeah. W- one of the resources that Stacy and I both used, and it helped us tremendously early on in marriage, was uh, the power of a praying husband, the power of a praying wife. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, I read The Power of a Praying Husband. She read The Power of a Praying mm-hmm. Wife. But then we flip-flopped, and I read The Power of a Praying Wife. She read The Power of a Praying Husband. And, man, did that just—you know, my prayers for, for Stacy went from, Lord, help my wife give her strength, mm-hmm. to just these rich, deep, um, impactful—it helped me to understand in a much deeper way— how to pray for her. And that impacted our relationship in just a, a phenomenal way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, coming up with a devotional together 
that those have been some of the best times that we've had is coming up with a devotional that is specific to mm-hmm. marriage, a strong marriage, you know, a young, young married's, you know, devotional. And that can really strengthen you as well. And it also sometimes those give you some guided prayers and ideas, and that can kind of break the ice on the whole praying together thing. Yeah. Well, final thoughts from either of you on on uh, this topic today. What uh, what what would you like people to take away who are who are listening? For those especially going into marriage, thinking about marriage, you're not alone. And don't think you're on an island by yourself. You're surrounded by people who want you to succeed and who want to be there and help and support you. Use those resources. Mm -hmm. Reach out. Don't feel like you're a failure because you don't get it. Just reach out. There are people who would love, love, love to help and invest in you. Leah, you're absolutely right. That's a great point to engage the the people around you. Uh, I think that I would say just... Be committed. Be a man of your word. Be a woman of your word. You stood before God and before the community that was there, and you said, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live, we're going to be committed to each other. We're going to be committed to make this thing work. And I'm convinced that when two people love God and love each other, and you're committed to those two things, Nothing can separate, right? If God joins it together, no man can separate it. And so be committed to God and be committed to each other. And you would be surprised at what kind of turmoil, what kind of duress, what kind of uh, unfortunate circumstances. And they are, but you can make it. If you're committed to God and if you're committed to your spouse, you can make it. Well, We have come to the end of our time here for today. This has been so good, and I believe that this conversation is going to help many couples in their newlywed journey. Brother and Sister Henderson, thank you for joining us today. We've enjoyed having you. Absolutely. It was an honor. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a few moments to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you don't already follow Calvary on social media, make sure you like, subscribe, and share on your favorite platform at Calvary Tab Indy. We hope you'll join us next month for another episode of This Is Family. For now, we say farewell, and we pray God's blessings on your family.